I have someone that I want to introduce to you this morning, and uh, this gentleman and his wife, uh, I want to brag on them for just a little bit. Uh, Dave and Diane, when, when I think of the mission that we are trying to accomplish as a church, okay, when, when I'm thinking of leaders, when I'm thinking of volunteers, they're, they're a couple that comes to my mind right away. Um, they're, they're just so connected, and uh, they, they do a great job of really bridging that gap um, between different groups of people. They're constantly serving in, in so many different ways. And the thing that I love the most about them is they have such a wealth of knowledge and understanding, but they are so humble, okay? Yeah, you know, you would, you would never know just how much they know because they just have this humbleness about them, and, and I love that. And uh, so this morning, uh, Dave is going to be speaking and uh, I'm going to be in Kids Church, so I'm going to miss it, but I'm going to go ahead and listen to it tomorrow when we throw it up on our Facebook page. But if you could go ahead and give uh, a warm sunrise welcome to Dave. Wow, wow. That's, that's, you know, I am proud of my humility. Uh, you know, Pastor um, Mark asked me to speak today. And he's back in Illinois at the church that he's been at for a number of years. And as you know, that church had a tornado, and then the insurance was very inadequate to cover it. He led the rebuilding, and now they're at a, he's being honored, they're at a mortgage burning. And isn't that a neat way? And you know, this, our pastor's a builder, our pastor's a very good financial steward. I could see very quickly our church doing its own mortgage burning. Would you be up for that? That'd be sweet. <clears throat> I want to talk today about God is good, <clears throat> and this is a, um, I've been listening to like Bill Johnson and others, and I've been following this for, for several years, and I had other topics that I was looking at. I love to talk about joy in the brain. I love talking about shame. I was thinking of talking about how do you experience the presence of God, and a no-brainer came for me. Uh, let's see, does that work? All right. God is good. I have this sermon's title tattooed on my arm. Uh, I hope you, you may wonder why is that, uh, because am I going to put every sermon topic on my arm? <clears throat> and what happened was, <clears throat> July 11th, 2017, I had a cardiac arrest. And most of you know this, but some of you might not. And in the cardiac arrest, I collapsed at Anytime Fitness. They called the ambulance. Fortunately, a policeman was at Holiday Gas Station, which is a little over a half mile away. And they came and they resuscitated me. They had to use the um, automatic external defibrillator, so they, you know, where they paddled me. And uh, it's either that, that policeman broke my ribs or it was the Lucas machine. It's like a toilet plunger they stick on you. Um, have you ever had one of those days? And And so, and then they had to paddle, they had to do it again at the hospital in, in, uh, here at River's Edge, and they treated me very well. They got me quickly over to Mankato, and um, my, uh, my wife and my two older daughters, um, well, I have three daughters, but they were not answering phone calls right away. My oldest daughter is a physician. The other one is a hospice nurse, and they got over to the hospital, and they also noticed that I was... Uh, pre-seizuring, I guess it's posturing or something, which would be indicative of some brainstem, brainstem damage. Yeah, I think I'm fine, but other than that. Uh, and so uh, what happened was, and then they had to lower my body temp. Now, by the way, it's only about 10% of people that even uh, recover from these things. 
And I had to be at the right place, the right time, uh, got the right care. And, and so when I talk about that God is good, I actually mean this stuff. Now, underneath that, uh, there is a scar there, and that's for the scar where they took the triple bypass. They had one artery, some get it from the leg, mine was from my arm, and then two of the mammary gland, or mammary arteries, I guess, that are inside. And I'll be amazed, I'm doing better than ever. I biked up the hill today, I was enjoying this spring, I have no chest pain, I have nothing. So, I mean, I have an experience that God is good. Amen. <clears throat> I want to talk about why it's so critical that you see God as good. <clears throat> what are the blocks that keep you from seeing God as good? What are the benefits in believing a good God? And what can you start doing and to think different? So I look at every day as a gift. Now, I'm not a tree hugger. Thank you, tree, for making oxygen. That is not who Dave is. But when I bike up by Gustavus, they'll have the blossoms, the crabapple blossoms, the fall colors. I actually take level two pleasantry or level two eye candy, if you will, and I make it like a four or five in my head. And I've actually been kind of doing that <coughs> inside all the time, <clears throat> and I've been building up my joy level uh, constantly. And even I was doing that before I had the cardiac arrest, so it sucked to be me for a while in the summer before. Everything just hurt, but my joy didn't go under the carpet, you know. I mean, it took a dip. I mean, it's hard. it was hard to talk, hard to do anything. But Robert Morris, that's the pastor of Gateway Church. He's the one where actually uh, our former pastor Greg Stone is now. He wrote this. What you believe about God's goodness impacts every aspect of your life. In the same way, how you pray is determined by who you think God is. Does he want to answer your prayer? Does he still heal today? Does he still set the captives free? Does he still move mountains and reverse impossible situations? We need to faithfully represent Jesus Christ. Um, okay, there we go. There we go. Oops, I went the wrong way. I'll get this figured out. Just, uh, I have different PowerPoints. I won't be reading them through, but it's about grace and mercy and blessings. And it says God is good all the time. The, the Bible in Psalms 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. <clears throat> in order to have a, <clears throat> to really communicate that God is good, you have to have a taste test. I'm a lot better at being able to describe a restaurant if I've been there, saw the ambience, tasted the food, noted the service. It's a lot better than if I just give a referral. Unfortunately, us Christians often just do referrals. I heard that this is good, or this is what it says in the Bible. Psalms 86.5, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. When I start looking for God's goodness, I find it all over. When I am, if I'm not looking, you know, we begin to see the bad and look for the bad things. All right, there we go. That, uh, that particular one says, I believe God not because my parents told me, not because the church told me, but because I've experienced his goodness and mercy myself. How many of you experienced God's goodness yourself? Quite a few. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to renew our minds, Romans 12, 2. It says, or 12 verse 1, it says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So what I am looking for today is to help you transfer your mind. Could you put that monitor on up there? I, then I don't have to turn around as much. Where am I at? I find joy every day, not because life is always good, but because God is. Um, Luke 2.14 says, when they're announcing Jesus, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. <clears throat> now, I'm a psychologist, so I, I like this kind of stuff. <clears throat> There's a gentleman, psychologist named Albert Ellis, and he started something called Rational Emotive Psychotherapy. It's about thinking rationally and how to discount what's wrong thinking. The only problem with this guy is he's an atheist and he's vulgar on top of it. And he used to be really down on religion at the end of his life. I don't think he became a Christian, but he said this, the ones who believe in a punishing God don't make it. And those who believe in a positive, loving God do make it. So the uh, images of God, this is, this is a picture that affect negatively your physical and mental health. Do you see him as oppressive, tyrannical, fear-based, hostile, raging, power monger, uh, coercive, shaming, rejecting, etc.? God hates me. Here's another one. The inflammatory cascade, it says, if you worship an authoritarian punishing God, it's, it inflames the fear center. We call it in brain the amygdala, and it damages prefrontal cortex, etc., etc., Next sentence, it says, it increases stress hormones, blood pressure, heart rate, brain damage, and early death. Most of you, I assume, don't want that stuff. So I'm going to say that even from a psychiatric, psychological view, I would hope that you would start looking at God as a very, very good God. A good God defines who you are. But a lot of times we're more convinced that we're unworthy than that God is really, really good. So I want to go through, I probably got about a dozen things here <clears throat> about how, what things cause us to have blocks for God. Um, this one here, a lot of people said they tried God and it didn't work. I like what he says, the Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting. It's not been found difficult and left untried. A lot of people say they tried God but they never really entered into the discipline, into the relationship, into the renewing of the mind, and, and they never really tried it. It's, the redemptive stories of God are just amazing. My brother was talking to a mechanic, and he was uh, what they call a skinhead and tattoos up on it, a big cross. I mean, I'm not a tattoo guy, okay? I mean, when I was getting the tattoo, by the way, I had to fight off the deep urge to get a navel ring, <coughs> no, thank you. I fought it off. And, and then Scooby, Scooby-Doo chasing Big Bird. I was this close, but I fought it off. Um, I love to ask people their stories about their tattoos anyway, you know, because sometimes some are bothered by them and others, they have a precious story about it. Um, now, where was I going? Okay, anyway. All right. But we have a fallen world. Okay, I could spend four sermons on just talking about the impact of a fallen world. Did it ever bother you? Why did God even put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the first place? Wouldn't it have saved a heck of a lot of problems if he never had it in there? Right? If I was God, that's how I would have thought. But I'm glad I'm not God. See, you never can really have love unless you have free will. Now, part of me would like no one else to have free will. 
just me. That way I wouldn't have to lock my car. I wouldn't have to lock, you know what I'm saying? But then we'd have all robots. So in the system, God has set it up that we love him out of our free will, i.e., that's why we have these choices. And we understand the fallen world and all kinds of bad stuff happen. Another block is that men have been challenging, let me just read this, men have been challenging God's goodness ever since. How can a good God allow evil to exist in this world? Oh, no, wait a minute. If you haven't thought this, then you haven't been thinking. All right, next one. How can he permit disease, pain, suffering, poverty? This is a long list here. Hunger, prejudice, greed, exploitation, crime, violence, war, bloodshed, catastrophe, and destruction. They argue either God is not very good or he does not have the power to stop it. Part of this leads to a next block, which is the myth that God is supposed to be in control. Uh, if you heard the song by Twyla Paris, God is in control. Some of you remember that from a couple decades back. <clears throat> That's a good song. <clears throat> There's a problem. God has chosen not to be in control, but he is in charge. Now just think back. You guys are parents, many of you. Are you in control of your kids? I'm having a special on uh, a denial disorder, if anybody raises their hands, and will with, um, you're not in charge, you're in charge of your kids, you're responsible as the parent to guide, direct, to give feedback, to discipline, to love, to teach, to train, but they, you are not in control. God has chosen not to take control. If God was in control, the instant you speeded, you'd get slapped up. That hurt. Okay. You'd get slapped, I mean, that instant. Or let's say this, the instant that you lied, this is a good one, you'd get a violent case of diarrhea. (laughs) Right? One to God that's in control. Now, let's go on. If God is in control, then wouldn't that make him responsible for cancer, for war, for earthquakes? A guy dies in a car wreck, leaves a widow and two little kids. Was that God's will? And by the way, we're going to talk in a little bit, I'll talk about the mystery because I'm not, I don't have every answer question. I just know the character of God, that he's good. Uh, why do some people get an angel and stop the death and others die? How many of you know, remember Dave Gabrielson? Okay, he was a beloved church member. He was up here for years. He ran the sound. They, they went over to Mankato and he and his wife, we're friends and they they would do marriage seminars, and this guy died of a cardiac arrest this summer at age 75. Am I better than him? Mm-mm. If you knew him, you'd find he was an encouraging, an enthusiastic guy. He worked in the kingdom. You start trying to make answers, you're going to have some problem, but I do know that God is good. God is very good. So I don't go, I'm better than him. I just go, every day is a gift. All right, Um, because there's all kinds of confusing things. If if um, some don't believe anymore in God because of disappointments and letdowns and prayers, how many have you ever had a disappointment or a prayer not answered? Okay, you didn't raise your hand. Uh, Okay, now both hands. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. This is so common, folks. 
And we need to be pressing through. A common thought is God's ignoring me. Um, I'm, I'm saved. I believe I'm saved. I've been to the altar seven and a half times. I know I'm saved. But I, I had shameful stuff, they might say, when I was a teenager. I binged on porn last week. I said vulgar words to my wife or to my husband. Uh, and if you knew what I thought. And so here's how they look at God. All right, you're saved. I guess I got to take you into heaven, God says. But you know what? <sighs> you're such an idiot. You're on your own. You know what? You are. You're totally on your own. I'm not going to be helping you. I'll take you into heaven when it's time. But you keep shunning me so much. I'm not going to. There are people that think like this. They, they buy into this. This is similar to what I call the Christian atheist. What is a Christian atheist? <clears throat> they believe in God. <clears throat> a lot of people do. But when there's a problem, they don't go to God. They do everything else but. That's very, very common. And I would say, even in my own life and all of us here, we are you know, Christian atheists at some degree, or we, we act like we believe in God, but yet we do another course to try to manipulate or get things. Um, another block would be, uh, my prayers aren't answered. I think sometimes we can get lazy, and it's just easier to pray, and then something doesn't happen, and we go, oh, this is God's will. I was talking to a, a lady that lived in Saudi Arabia for a while, and someone would be in a fatal crash at 130 kilometers an hour, uh, whatever that is, about 100-something, and, and the, the police and everybody else would go, well, it's Allah's will, it's God's will. You know, uh, they, they just blame it on everything is God's will, and yet we're supposed to maybe increase our own prayer life, grow in our own holiness. We're to, some things happen because the corporate body of believers uh, didn't, didn't uh, join together on it. And I got about 20 other things as I get older. I'm 67 now. I got more questions sometimes than I had. When I was a new Christian, spirit-filled, I had more answers. Have, were any of you like that? I had more simplistic, clear answers. And now as I get older, uh, sometimes I'm left with more questions. All right. But <clears throat> we, we, um, we give up and we don't use the tools of authority, power, to deal with the crisis and tragedy and disease. We forget God has a reason. Another block, just a few more of these, is <coughs> the feeling <clears throat> that we, we, based, we base our feelings on what feels true, not what is. This is standard for a lot of us counselors. I'll have a, a woman comes in, and I feel so alone, I feel so abandoned, whatever, and a strong Christian, and yet believes the verse, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Okay, yet feels, feels very alone. Here's another one. Uh, they're having panic attacks because they can't make the mortgage or the rent or something like that. And yet they, there's verses they already know that, that uh, the Lord will supply all my needs to his glory in Christ Jesus. He's never suffered the, the, the righteous children, the big begging bread. And there's all kinds of verses about that. And yet we, we, we go by what feels to be true. Okay, the Lord is my source, he's my worth, and then someone gives you a word of criticism and you're freaked out and you're bothered by it. So we, we have more truth in our heads than we know what to do with, but we tend to operate on what feels true. What I hope today is that you begin to feel, not just intellectually, but you'll begin to feel that God's goodness is an amazing, amazing thing. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we also have a God filter. 
and this happens a lot. If these glasses were purple, and I now put the purple glasses on, everything, every white outfit would look purple. The filter that comes in is purple. So let's say my attitude is the picture that I had um, earlier about God is uh, tyrannical. I will see everything as negative. I may have, I, I just catch all the negative and everything just gets added up and added up. But if I have glasses, and I'm, we call them rose-colored glasses, but we make that as a joke. But I'm just saying, what if you see the, the glasses through the periphery of the lens of God is good? You start catching more and more and more and more good things. You start looking, you notice the little things. The little things set you up to catch the big things. Then when you have uh, another thing that's a disappointment, that's what it is. It's just a disappointment. Welcome to disappointment. At our age, we all have disappointments. You've been lied to. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. You have a physical issue. Uh, I call that welcome to life, and we're to press through to get to find out what does God want. All right, so we have this filter. Um, let me, Romans 8.39. Okay, well, all right. Now, this here, it says, I'm convinced neither death nor life, angels, demons, present nor the future, powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what's missing? For some reason, my PowerPoint didn't go point by point there. <clears throat> but the past is missing. I heard a sermon on this, and I go, my goodness, this covers everything. And it's like, what does this mean? He didn't mention our past can separate us. Now, by the way, nothing can separate you, can separate God's love to you. Got that? God is not separated by your past. But think of it, if I have a past where I've been hurt or betrayed or damaged in church or people use legalistic junk to say, you know, you're not worth being with or God hates you or something, now I am restricted, in a sense, from going to God in a meaningful, powerful way to be able to connect with God, to feel his love. If you feel like you are inadequate and you are shameful and you are bad and are you dirty and that God's kind of hacked off at you, are you going to go to him? That's the kind of stuff that past baggage can keep you from recognizing that God is good. By the way, it won't stop God from going to you. All right? All right, a few more things here. Sometimes an immature Christian, even a mature Christian, can have a hard time of telling the difference between God's discipline <clears throat> versus demonic assault. Briefly, God's discipline leads to correction. God's conviction leads you to feeling hopeful and a way out. God's condemnation leads to death. Judas, he had a lot of, he felt condemned, right? And he just hung himself. Condemnation leads to death. There is therefore now what? No condemnation. Could you humor me and do this song with me? It's, okay, it's real simple. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Just one more time. There is therefore now. No condemnation there is therefore now. No condemnation there is therefore now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Huh. 
then we must have a good God to be able to do that. Here's another thing that grabs people. Is you look through the Old Testament, if you look carefully, you'll see God's love and God's plan through it. But there's a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament that was kind of tough, right? A rebellious son, if he is rebellious, you know what you're supposed to do to him? Stone him. Okay, um, watch it, guys. And and I was supposed to do that, kill all the Amalekites, the women and children, everything else. People were swallowed into earthquakes. And what's going on here? It's like, woo, is that ever violent? And, and then there's all these sacrifices and blood and rituals and animal sacrifices, and you never could quite do it enough. Well, think about sin is so severe. See, we sometimes look at sin as kind of casual. But sin is so severe God had to set this up. And the Old Testament, when you start looking at it, set us up to be hungry for a Savior. It set up humanity, right, to need and want and desire a Savior because the old system is just is not working. God is that good that he sent, or sent Jesus. There's a, a few other short things here. There's something I call an ethereal God or God is a cosmic force. He's like a moralistic, therapeutic deist and he just wants us to be, they're just, they don't even have a personal relationship. It's kind of like this force that God wants you to be good and wants you to be kind and wants you to be giving. And that's really nice, but we find that when the chips come down, if you don't have a personal connection to God, it's not enough. I'm glad to you, I bet all of you think you're good people or you want to do nice things, but it won't work when when stuff comes against you. And so some people, I have people say, well, I am, uh, I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. And sometimes that's very genuine, <clears throat> very meaningful. <clears throat> and other times it means they kind of believe in this general, you know, let's try to be good. But that won't carry you through. That is not the same. There's a, the mystery, and I want to get on this point and we'll move God's perspective or his lens is eternal. We look at the here and now. We look at the temporary discomfort. When God is good is your lens, you read scripture different. I have people tell me, man, I read scripture and I just feel condemned and I'm not good enough and try harder and you're, you stink at being holy and you're not good at this. What if you read it like a love letter? What if you begin to read it like a love letter? It starts changing things. See, faith does not deny that a problem exists. It just denies its influence in your life. Problems are problems. We have them. But it, does, it denies its influence. I, I check out or give up your right. I have to understand everything. Now, I do believe as a Christian... You do not have to check your brains out at the door. I think that's kind of, God never asked us to do that. You don't have to check your brains out at the door. But you, you may end up with more questions. But if you know at the core, God is good and just and loving. <clears throat> and then somebody dies <clears throat> that seems real evident <laughs> that it's premature. <clears throat> you can't figure it out. I don't know why. Then you know at the core, God is good. Do you see that? That grid allows me to work with the mystery of things. I've had things that there was a clear mystery, a puzzlement, and as the decades went on, I learned more and I realized, oh, that explains it. Now, the benefits of knowing and coming to a God, come to me, all you are heavy laden, or weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
this is just a, a great concept of what if you started looking at a good God? What if you were convinced that a big God is a lot more than a big devil? We often make the devil really uh, big sounding. Let me read this. The spirit of the Lord's upon me. That's Isaiah 61. Because the Lord's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoner, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Ooh, think of this from a grid of God is good. Would a, would a bad God write this stuff? No. Uh, to comfort those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. You go a few verses later in Isaiah 61.7, and I often read this for clients. It says, instead of your shame, you'll have a double portion. Okay? Most people have a lot of shame. Shame means you're defective, you're inadequate, you're a loser. Anybody gets to know you, they're not going to love you. You are a failure. You're never going to make it. You fall short. Um, th- those are chronic feelings. It's like in the well water, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> in our society. <clears throat> and when you, and it says, and instead of your humiliation, you will shout for joy. Faith in a loving God. Uh, I like that picture. It's hard to tell. Jesus is holding a guy, and in his hand, his left hand is a nail, and in his right hand is a, is a hammer, a mallet. Have you ever seen this picture? And this guy was trying to nail Jesus to the cross by his sins, and Jesus is responding. And I think it doesn't hurt to have faith in a loving God. Other-centered love increases when you worship a God of love. Sharp thinking and memory improve as well. And in other words, worshiping of God of love actually stimulates the brain to heal and grow. That kind of uh, psychology stuff for me, you know, is, is I love that. Don't settle for a theology that has no experience. And, and sadly enough, we often in our culture... We grew up and we never saw someone really get healed. <clears throat> I've seen somebody get healed of devastating, you know, like an abortion memory. I've seen people emotionally get healed or anxiety lift off in seconds. Sometimes it's a big journey, but I've seen that kind of stuff, so I have faith for that. Um, did God send sickness to teach you a lesson? Think about it. Did Jesus come to give you sick? I have come that you might get sick. I have come to condemn you. No, he says, I did not come to condemn. He says, I came to destroy what? The works of the devil. So that would be your clue what God wants to do through you and with you. Uh, You wouldn't hold your child's hand over a stove until it uh, gets blistered to show that it's hot. You, I mean, you wouldn't drive over their foot to teach them not to play in in the road. If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask? A few more things here. Don't buy into being a passive. Uh, you know, hey, everything's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. You know, the devil's getting bigger. The church is supposed to get smaller. We're just going to hunker down. And in the last days, Jesus is going to come and rescue everybody in a rapture. And it requires no faith to do that. You are called, I, I am called, to help, um, you know, restore ruined cities and disciple nations. It's a powerful thing to, to know that God is good. He's created you for doing something good. I would like us to see us so blessed that people would get jealous of us. 
Is that a Christian thing? Well, in the Bible, it says that the Israelites were provoked to jealousy because the love of God was poured upon on the Gentiles. That's a good kind of jealousy. I would like, God did that? He did what? He saved your life, Dave? He did this? He got this? He restored your marriage? See, I think that's a good God. All right. Uh, that's just a hope optimism bias. It's just more psychobabble. I just love that kind of stuff. I would like, if we could do that um, sweet revenge, let me set it up. This is two and a half minutes of a video from Conquer Series. Conquer Series is a ministry that works with men with sexual addictions. And uh, I really like this particular clip, and it's about paying back. And uh, yet it's not just for men to men. This is for women too, but it's what the speaker has. Go for it. Sweet revenge. I love the sound of that. You know, it's about the fact that God can use the wounded places of your life to help others. And probably the most prevalent area in my life where I've been able to help so many men is in the area of being a father. One of the deepest wounds that I had was abusive stepfathers. My son taught me how to be a dad. I could be a dad that I never had to him and be a kid that I could never be growing up. And now I'm helping other men take back what the enemy has stolen from them. See, sweet revenge is about taking back what the enemy stole from you. You can become the devil's worst nightmare. As I help more and more men walk into an effective ministry to their kids, I'm taking back territory and I'm hammering the enemy's kingdom. It's time for you to have sweet revenge against your enemy as well. This is the burning question. Why me? Why am I struggling with this, Dr. Weiss? And I say, well, let me tell you something I've learned over the years. The more anointed you are, the more you're going to be attacked not to pick up your sword. I never met my dad. I was conceived in adultery. I was put in foster homes. I was sexually abused. I get attacks. I was fully sexually addicted, alcohol, drug addict. I get it. The enemy threw everything he could at me because he saw the supernatural sword I carried to heal men, to heal nations, and to see men get free. If you are being attacked, you just might just go, thank you, Jesus. There's gotta be something in me that makes the devil really scared, okay? And so don't go into the poor me and, and be all full of guilt and shame. Don't go there. All right, enemy, you got me maybe five years, 10 years, maybe 20 years, but the rest of my life, I'm gonna conquer with other men. I'm gonna lead other men in the purity of thought, mind, and soul, and help them become better husbands and be, help them become better men. The Bible says all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. It's amazing to see that even when I didn't know God, God had a plan for me to know Him. Even while I was living in sin and loving sin, God used that and brought about His glory in Eric Coven's life. It brought some bumps, it brought some bruises, it brought some pain along the way, but God has used that now for His glory. And now I get to tell other people about God and the work that He's done in my life. I get to share truth with other people. Amen. If, if uh, would the worship team uh, start coming up here, we're going to do uh, the worship team for the last song, thank you. Um, Sweet revenge. If you don't think God is good, then you're not going to pay back for how you've been kicked in the teeth, right? But when you begin to see that God is good, what I would like everybody to do is stand up, please. And we're going to just read through this uh, declaration. And uh, if, if you could just follow along with me. I declare that you are good. 
You are the author of life, Jesus. You came to set captives free, deliver the oppressed, heal the sick, and bring relief to the tormented. Thank you for wisdom to discern when you are at work, when the enemy is at work. Right now, I declare that I will be more mindful of what you are doing, Father, than what the enemy is doing. I will release your goodness into every hopeless and dark situation, expecting that the thief will be driven out as the kingdom of God is released in power. Hallelujah. Could you say, God is good? Would you mind doing it again? God is good. One more time. God is good. That is the sermon today. And they'll do the song, Father, You Are Good. And uh, let's enter into that. And when they finish up, um, you're free to leave. And uh, if anybody would like to say, you know, I want to know Jesus. I need this personal relationship with a good God. I asked Ivan, and maybe someone can join him. He'll be over in this corner. If uh, you want to just come and cement the deal with God and that he is so good, he changes you. There is something amazing about the redemptiveness of like, I'm a mess, and then God changed it. It's an incredible thing. Go ahead, guys.